Welcome, everybody, to episode 411 of the Dutch Hall. Uh, for this one, uh, we broke all the rules, and we went to Zoom, dirty Zoom, because our next guest is actually from Germany. He's living in Germany right now, but he is a Canadian comedian and uh, a guy I'm a real fan of. Uh, and he came up with a new album, Hunter Collins Goes to Hell. And so I wanted to interview him about it. I wanted to promote the album. And so I was lucky enough to have him on the show, and we had a really good chat. And I think it's, you're going to enjoy the interview. But before we get on with the show, I just wanted to remind you guys that the South Coast Comedy Festival will be putting on its very first event, celebrating Waterford Pumpkin Fest's 40th anniversary right after the fireworks come down to Swazi's for a night of music and comedy. You'll have uh, myself hosting the show, and we will have headliner Ty Greit, we will have a feature act, Joe Batello, and bring your dancing shoes because we will have entertaining us, Badunka Funk. And uh, so he's going to be definitely keeping the dance floor full and uh, before and after the show. So bring a, uh, bring a good attitude. And uh, you can go to Eventbrite and uh, buy tickets or just go to um, Live from the Dutch Hall and reach out to me. Give us some feedback. Oh, wait. Give us some feed. Oh, man. Peter, one man showing it. Give us some feedback. There we go. And uh, at all this, and we can get you tickets for that event. But also, if you're listening to this program and you want to tell us what you think, that's no better way to do it than give us a piece of feedback at uh, live from the Dutch Hall, gmail.com, the Dutch Hall, gmail.com. Instagram feed, Facebook, Twitter, any of that stuff, you can get a hold of us. And uh, also, thank you to CleanFlow for being a great sponsor of the show. Go to cleanflow.com. That's K L E E N F L O.com. Check out all their great products. And if you'd like to help uh, support the show, go to patreon.com slash Dutch Hall and join our queen as being. Uh, our main supporter of the show. She's actually our only supporter of the show, so you can also, also be a queen if you donate like the uh, beautiful and wonderful Jen Husko does. So that's it for the ads and everything. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview. Uh, I thought he was a, Hunter was a great guy to talk to. We had a real easy chat. We talked about all kinds of things. Unfortunately, Jen, there is a lot of comedy in there, but uh, there is also a lot of philosophy. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, talking about social uh, issues, talking about language, talking about what subject matters to, to delve into and not delve into. Um, we talked about a lot of great things, and uh, I think you'll enjoy the interview. And also, Hunter was uh, nice enough to say we could use anything from his album to help promote it. So throughout the uh, interview, I put in little clips from the album so that you can uh, get a flavor for Hunter Collins Goes to Hell. So without further ado, sit back. And enjoy this nice theme song, followed up by an interview with Hunter Collins.
is a menace. Comedians like him must be stopped. You are scum. You went too far. Think about the objects. Words matter. There's nothing funny about jokes. Book Hunter Collins and you're blacklisted. So what if everyone's laughing? He farted on my nephew. Hunter Collins literally threw toxic waste at the audience and a bunch of people turned into rock steadies and bebops. He broke my spine with a bag of syphilitic hedgehogs. Hunter Collins did 9-11. I liked the whole show, but I didn't like that one thing about the thing I find offensive, so I'm tweeting. Get off me, I'm tweeting. Hunter Collins makes me want to puke my ass. Hunter Collins went to a school for deaf kids and started clapping because, wait, did that last person say puke my ass? Why is he getting away with this? I guess you'd have to eat your own ass first and then puke it up after. Astrology is real. Thing is, you'd have to separate your ass from your body to eat it. Who's flexible enough to bite their own attached ass? The logistics of it are a nightmare. Silence him! Hunter Collins pukes ass. Ass puker! Ass puker! Ass puker! Kindly welcome to the stage, Hunter Collins! Today on the Dutch Hall, we have, uh, I'm going to make a, a very rare exception for the Dutch Hall. Normally when we have guests in, we have them drive down to Norfolk County and come to my pool shed in my backyard. And uh, we sit around and we smoke cigarettes, maybe have a couple beers, have a, maybe a, a joint or two. But we will, it's a nice chat. And when, when the pandemic happened, we were forced to go to these Zoom or video calls. And uh, I tried it. It was awful. It didn't have the human connection, and I felt terrible about it, and uh, I said, never do it. But on the rare exception, when there's someone I'm an actual fan of, I will allow such a thing to happen on my program. And today is one of those exceptions. We have a, a Canadian comedian, but he really is a global comedian. He's all over the world traveling. And I just listened to his new album, Hunter Collins Goes to Hell. And I got to tell you, Normally, I have, I have people's albums on here. I, I like their albums. I, uh, I know them as comedians. I travel around with them. I hear their jokes. And uh, they're good, you know. But the, I, this one, I'm actually going to say I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan. I'm actually felt when I listened to the album that I was in the room. And uh, so I thought I have to have him on my show and talk to him. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Hunter Collins. Hunter Collins, everyone. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That was uh, awful heartwarming. I wish I could be there in Norfolk County, man. Well, I was gonna it looks say like a, a woman hasn't been allowed to share her opinion in that room in 40 years. <laughs> you nailed this room in like two seconds. That's exactly what this room is. This, I have an <laughs> enormous house on the other side of this, uh, this shed, and it, I have nothing, no say in it whatsoever. It is uh, all my wife's. This one, she has okay. no business in. She doesn't even like to come in here. It's uh, She doesn't like the smell of it, eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny how, like, guys always shit on word art, you know? Like, live, laugh, love, you know, made yeah. out of wood yeah. or whatever. But then you go into a guy's shed, and it's like, I like to fuck on beer written all <laughs> over the walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. We really are just children that never grow up, eh? Like, uh, I think... yeah. I, we I, never get out of the, you know, girls rule, boys drool phase either, man. We just, it's just under different, uh, you know, monikers. Yeah, yeah. I find even when you're, um, I find when you're telling jokes um, and 
like like the one of the this way I started the show the podcast it's like uh the the most I ever laughed was having like friends of mine come into this shed and we are just like having a few drinks and shooting the shit and uh we're laughing our asses off because everyone's got this like uh freedom to say whatever they want and it's uh it's like um, dressing room talk or something, for lack of a better word. You know, like it's just that, uh, sure. you know, where you men can say men things, you know. And uh, the the uh, funny thing about it is that a lot I'm probably 50 to 60 percent women that listen to the show. And OK. Uh, and they tell me it's because they get to like be like a fly on the wall and hear what their husbands are up to when they're not ah. when they're not around kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like they're spying on us. Yeah. I mean, I actually have to go spy on, on women's changing rooms to hear a changing room talk. <laughs> oh, I tell you, when I was a kid. <laughs> From the other sex, you know? Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, uh, my parents would have these card parties. And then you'd, I would, uh, uh, you know, they would just wouldn't care about us. It was the 70s. And, you know, like they, they would just like uh, play cards and drink. And then you would just. Oh, I thought you meant they were witches and they played tarot. No, that would be interesting. This was just like a bridge or something. <laughs> anyway, so like the men were in the one room playing cards, you know, and I would go in there and like you could sleep under either table, the, the table where the men were playing cards or the table where the women were chatting in the kitchen, you know, and I would sleep under the table uh, where the men were talking. It was just uh, tobacco farming and sports, you know, hockey. And then I went to the women's uh, room, like to the kitchen and, you know, my aunt's talking about how big my uncle's dick is, you know? Whoa. <laughs> I'm like, I'm staying in the kitchen, man. This is way more interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, better you find out that way than from your uncle himself. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Hey, do you find By the way, Pete, my dick is happens to be pretty. I don't know if you've been hanging out under tables <laughs> yeah. a lot these days. but <laughs> I got a tuna can cock. I mean, you couldn't see your uncle's cock under when you're sleeping under that table. It must have been protruding from the pant leg. Now, apparently, it's not the longest cock. It's more of a thick cock. Eh? It's more, okay, it's yeah. more of the girth. He's sit, sitting on a big pile of ground chuck. Yeah, just like a, you know, like a beer can or, or like a tuna can. You know. Yes, yes. Imagine the tragedy of having a tuna can dick. Honestly, though. Yeah, you need to put a shiv on the top of it just just to get it in. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare yeah just no length all girth <laughs> yeah yeah that would be well you know what i think there is a market for that the girls like to stretch i believe but i'm only theoretically yeah. speaking but even for like you could jerking off a tuna can picture that yeah you can't get much you uh, gotta, no you gotta hope for uh pepsi or Pepsi at the least. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Least. At least, at least a half can. Um, you know, I wanted to say, well, I got a couple of. Uh, you're in Germany. This is what I was trying to say, right? Like, uh, if you were, you would come to Norfolk County ordinarily, and if there was a, yeah. a a highway across the Atlantic Ocean, I believe that because you are a stand-up comedian, you would do an enormous amount of stupid things for anyone that would give you a bit of attention. Is that, is that fair? <laughs> I would do a lot of things, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I'll drive to Keswick for a hundred bucks from Toronto, but yeah, man, fuck it, sure, man, I drive the Rainbow Road across the Atlantic for you. <laughs> There's no way anyone could disprove that. Yeah, shit, yeah, I'd do it. 
So, uh, Hunter, I just wanted, before I forget, because I, I do get sidetracked easily, um, your album, one thing I want to tell you about the album, this is sincere, and uh, one of the things I found was really cool about it is that it really did capture that feel of in the room that you're, like, in the club, you know? And I Oh, was, shit, thanks, man. And uh, my favorite album of all time is uh, Skanks for the Memories, David Tell. And uh, that had the same sort of vibe, you know, like you feel like you're uh, in the room and you could hear people walking out of the room and going to the bathroom and he would address it. And you felt like you're in a club, you know, and mm -hmm. you, with your album, your religious chunk, your religious chunk yeah. on that album, you know, uh, it didn't really go. It didn't kill, you know, like there were people no, in the room absolutely that, were, not. that were really uncomfortable with it. You know, you could feel the energy kind of being sucked with that one little section and it was a five minute uh piece of your album and your album's like 55 minutes you know you could have mm -hmm. you could have uh just said hey that didn't work i still have a good album without that chunk you know and and you mm -hmm. but you kept it in and that's what i really loved about it because it it uh it depicts what actually happens in a comedy club and the jokes are good that's the thing. The jokes are, are really good, Thanks, man. but the audience's reaction is dependent on the on the mix or the crowd or uh, or their ability to process it, how quickly they can, like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. deal with the heavy subject matter. At sometimes, you know, it takes a second or two. Maybe they they will see humor humor in it, but it's not immediate like a fart joke, you know, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. But uh, so that energy most people would become scared of it, of, of, uh, I would say even myself, like I would be scared if it didn't kill to put it on my album because, um, I would want to get it one time where I had the right crowd or whatever that liked it. And then I could show how good the joke was by the reaction, but yeah. your, your way of doing it because it really was better than that because it was just like it, uh, I could still have my reaction uh, listening to it. And the reaction of the crowd was like an, uh, another layer. And you addressed it in the joke on the album, too. Like you told yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I will yeah, I say, you know, like, I, you know, it's, it's the jokes were important to me to put out there. And um, so I knew I, I knew I wasn't going to cut it. And, you know, you watch any you watch any sort of um narrative you know a movie you read a book like what good is it if your hero doesn't struggle a little bit so um and i think part part of the value of keeping that in is that i do get them back and then some um on the very next joke after acknowledging that that the jokes made them uncomfortable i don't even think they didn't think the jokes were funny i just think we're in a climate where people are uncomfortable sure. laughing at certain subject matter um, and I like to dare myself to try to pull it off despite that. So, um, yeah, it was important for me to keep those jokes in there. And yeah, you know, I've been doing this a long time and like doing it like 20 years. And, um, I found that as long as you acknowledge how something is going, the crowd will sort of give, will sort of give you a bit of leeway there. So, you know, it got a big pop when I was like, look at how uncomfortable these jokes are making you right yeah, now. You, know, yeah, you can't exactly. talk about this stuff. And, you know, you mentioned like uh, Attell's album, which is awful sweet of you to even mention us in the same breath. I love David Attell. And um, I'm sure some of that comes across in the album. But 
Um, the albums I grew up listening to, like, um, you know, I listened to No Cure for Cancer by Dennis Leary probably 500 times. Uh-huh. And say what you will about Leary being a thief and everything, we didn't have a lot of choice back then. It was either you watch Delirious on video at home or you, watch, or you listen to Dennis Leary uh, on the bus on the way to school. Yeah. So, but that Dennis Leary album, you hear it, the crowd is barely captured at all. They're practically non-existent. Um, and, you know, I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of bombing. And this album was, in all humility, a pretty, like, hard kill. And so to sandwich one little bit that actually talks about something important yeah, yeah. Um, instead of a lot of, like, you know, my more... Uh, you know, lower my lowest common denominator material, like you know the fart jokes and the jizz jokes, or or you know the stuff that's just pop culture. To sandwich that in there and actually have something to say um, was more important to me than sounding like a fucking god the whole time. And then I asked myself, where does homophobia come from? You know, and I gotta I gotta put the blame on the Abrahamic religions. Right? You know the ones I'm talking about, right? Christianity, and then like the other two I can't mention or else I'm mean. <laughs> no. First of all, the Abrahamic religion people, you gotta stop saying that uh, yours is the one true religion, okay? It's not even the first, okay? It's preceded by religions like Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, ancient Egyptian mythology is older than some of them. Saying your religion is the one true one is like saying the only Lethal Weapon movie is Lethal Weapon 4. What? No, one through three never happened? Just a weird one with Jet Li? And we let old religions get away with everything. No one says, peep, look how awkward it's gotten in here right now. <laughs> we, you know, are all afraid. They're fucking awful, right? We're all like, smash the patriarchy till it comes to religion. And we're all like, well, we all have different cultures, you know? <laughs> like if your culture's ingrained in the... Gesundheit. Should I say L'chaim? If your culture's ingrained in the notion of manipulating the hearts and minds of otherwise good people so that your holy men don't have to get off their ass and go to work, that's not culture. That's a fucking cult. Thank you. You know, like you read the Bible, according to the Bible, genocide, pretty rad. Being gay, no es bueno. And being a woman, not exactly sold on that either. Half this fucking planet is women. Bible's like, you know, we think you could do a little better than that. And they're responsible for a lot of harm in the world. We don't say shit about old religion. And then some people have the gall to make fun of newer religions like Scientology as if they're worse. You know, there are places in the world where being gay is punishable by death for religious reasons. At least Scientology lets you cover it up so you can be in a couple Mission Impossible movies. (laughs) If Tom Cruise came out of the closet in Iraq, they would chuck him off a building. And you know it'd be him because he does all his own stunts. Yeah. We've got sectarian holy wars that have been going on for 14 centuries between Shia and Sunni just because they practice a slightly different form of the same religion. Like, you guys know Elizabeth Moss from Handmaid's Tale? You guys know she's a Scientologist, right? John Travolta would never murder Elizabeth Moss 
just because they practice a slightly different form of Scientology. No, worst you would do is maybe imagine her with a cock and chest hair and jerk off in peace. <laughs> I gotta say, Judaism is probably like the least harmful of the three Abrahamic religions. Like anti-Semitism is fucking bogus, man. You ever hear someone say that? Anti-Semitism is bogus. <laughs> Just came out of my mouth. How can you not like the chosen people? Okay, all they do is make all the best movies and shrug a bunch. What's not to like? Okay, how can you hate a man named Shloimi? Plus, Jewish titties, come on. Come on. You can almost hear them greet you when they bounce. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Whoopi got in trouble, though. Did you guys see Whoopi Goldberg got in trouble for saying the Holocaust wasn't about race? Bit of a clunky point, Whoopi. <laughs> I guess she's trying to say that, you know, it was about racializing people and stuff, but it just didn't come across uh, very elegantly, you know? But, you know, is Judaism a race or is it a set of ideals, you know? I always thought it was kind of a set of ideals, but some people fight you on that to say, no, Judaism's a race. So I'm like, well, it's the only race I know that I can convert to. I can't convert to Japanese. Doesn't matter how much anime I watch. But it is, it's a set of ideals. Some, you know, some people say they're half Jewish. That always cracked me up. You know, it's like being like, I'm actually half communist on my mom's side and uh, <laughs> half pescatarian on my dad's side. I, uh, we share a lot of fish. <laughs> That's fine. You're only Jewish if your mom's Jewish, too, right? Like, if your dad's Jewish, go ahead, eat all the bacon you want. If your mom's Jewish, good luck throwing a football 10 yards, Mordecai. <laughs> <sighs> all right. That religious stuff made you guys uncomfortable. I understand. <laughs> Just remember, I wasn't wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'll well, switch it up. We'll do some dirty stuff for you guys before we get out of here. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I really can appreciate that because of the stuff I'm going through right now myself. Like, I started out just pure dick jokes. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, now I've been uh, trying this more difficult subject matter, like language stuff and words and, and uh, things that people get uncomfortable with. And, uh, like, I have a gay chunk now that finally, like, I figured out. But, man, it took, it, you had to, like, really, really bomb for a long time, like, to figure out all the landmines to get through to get it, you know? And then. Yeah, and it's worth it at the end. It is. It like, is. If, if you just walk some, like, nice, easy, cushy path in your Nike Air Zooms, you know, your feeling of getting across that meadow is a, a lot less validating than if you are dodging landmines in a pair of knockoff Doc Martens from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. My daughter, I have two daughters that are like uh, 19 and 20. And oh, what a great sounding board they must be. Oh my gosh. Well, they tell me all the time, like uh, they see me in the early stages of some of these jokes and they say, why do you talk about this stuff? You know, like why not just leave it alone? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, like, and uh, why don't you, like you, you could just, they always say you could just not do it. You could just not yeah. talk, talk about that stuff. And mm -hmm. I, I always say it's our job to talk about that stuff because nobody else can, you know? Like if, if the stand-up comic doesn't 
say the things that nobody can say, even if it's bullshit, but at least gives you the, like another way of looking at it, you know, versus just the standard way that society wants us to look at it. You know, our jobs to kind of mm -hmm. like blow that shit apart and, and show them a different way of looking at it, you know? So if we, if no, we're not talking about the tough stuff, then no one is. And then it just gets like the, the problems with it get swept under the rug, you know? Is your daughter's viewpoint that, you know, no, like, why does any comedian talk about this? Or why do you, as a straight guy, insist on talking about stuff like uh, gay material? Because those are different. But both of those things have been talked about. And yeah. yeah. And, uh, and like, yeah, my, to be fair, my gay stuff is more about me being called uh, gay slurs, you know? And, mm -hmm. uh, just how I can relate to uh, wanting that word banned, like wanting some of those phrases banned, you know, because they, yeah. they bug me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so, funny, but, you know, because these are like the most important, most pressing subjects in the zeitgeist, you know, stuff about gender and identity and all that stuff. And, you know, we have um, a viewpoint as straight white people, you know, that is, probably you know that is obviously a lot different but to just be completely left out of that conversation to me just seems like we're pigeonholing ourselves into an uninteresting um pool of topics you know and i think part of the the challenge that which is you know a challenge that that is ne that we've never really had until the last five or six years is being able to make those jokes about those subjects fly despite the climate i think that's a really fun challenge why not why not take on the challenge yeah you know, i mean people like wait, you want us to just talk about i hate my wife and airplane foods fucking shitty yeah, yeah exactly i've actually noticed that more corporate gigs are asking for edgier material like they don't want oh, to interesting yeah, I, I, and I, I think that, I, I don't know. I think that there's, there's somewhat of a pushback in uh, society to how far, it, like how uh, clandestine it's all become. You know, mm -hmm. I, I worked in the corporate world for like 15 years, uh, and it was, it was terrible, dude. It was so bad. <laughs> it was like so bad to be a, a, like a deep down in your core a comedian but you're at a, ba yeah. a banker for 15 years, you know, like you still are a comedian. Like, so you still think the same way that a comedian would, but like, they're trying to get you to talk like in a way that is that what you did banker. Yeah. I lent money to farmers. Did, oh you, shit. Are you leaving just because of that? I'm sorry. I should have told you that up front. Sorry, you I just to... wanted to, I just wanted to fart far away from the screen. So you wouldn't smell it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, I thought that uh, I thought maybe once you heard I was a banker, you're like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I lent money to farmers for 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 most of my time, you know. And uh, okay, when I was young, I wanted to go to, I wanted to be a comedian when I was young, but I didn't know how to do it, and so I thought I'd go to film school, and I put my mm -hmm. uh, my uh, portfolio together and everything, and then my dad uh, talked me out of it, said, uh, "There's no." Uh, uh, future in that and then uh yeah i ended up being a banker uh, by kind of like i don't know what else to do and it just happened i found someone got me an interview and i got the job but i really like uh 
I knew it was wrong from the beginning. I was only supposed to be here for five years, and the plan was to save money and then go do comedy. And then, mm-hmm. then it became 15 because, like, life. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's well, it's a trap, you know. You, it's a trap. <laughs> you got a house and a shed in Norfolk County. Sounds like it worked out for Pete. Well, that's all. Yeah, that is that's all right. But then I look at you, and I'm like, well, you're in Germany and traveling the world and uh, seeing doing all the things that that I think are the ideal parts. You know what I mean? Like you always. Yeah, but this is my lunch. <laughs> yeah, nice succulent. It, it's not that bad. <laughs> um. Yeah, what brought you to Germany? Was it uh, like, are are, was it your what, the your girlfriend, or was it the comedy? What what uh, what brought you there? Uh, I'm trying to breathe uh, new new air into the Fourth Reich. <laughs> it's about time. It's really about time. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, my girlfriend is uh, she's Czech, and she got a uh, contract um, researching venomous spiders out of a university here in northern germany she's um, a behavioral ecologist who specializes in arachnids and so she's here studying spiders and i'm here doing voice gigs and zoom gigs uh from our apartment enjoying life eating great sausage tasty pastry oh yeah whereabouts in germany are you small town called greifswald in (laughs) griffin's forest and it's right along the baltic coast no, no man eating sharks in this sea too cold um the whole thing is just like just shallow and full of hairy algae it's like swimming in a greek guy's back <laughs> that's that's crazy i've never uh, never been i've always had a prejudice against germany because uh they put my grandfather on the wall in, in uh, world war ii and shot at him and my tanta lancia you know oh my god yeah it takes I, a lot to forget yeah. that at him and your Mexican wrestler? <laughs> yeah. Tentalecha. What's a tentalecha? A tentalecha means uh, Aunt Helen in Dutch. Ah, yeah. okay. Tanta is I thought aunt. it was those guys who wear masks and jump off the top she rope. She does sound like a great luchador, yeah. The tentalecha, or at least it's a finishing move, you know? Give you the tentalecha. Is that a the Mexican pastry rolled in cinnamon sugar? <laughs> mm, a nice tentalecha. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. No, they both survived. Thank God, the Germans were terrible shots. And, okay. Yeah. So, and then that well, obviously they survived because I'm alive. Well, I obviously resent Nazi Germany too. I resent that. I resent that. So, imagine, if you don't, you got a problem. But they're I'm, very guilty. Yeah, I, I imagine. Eh? I imagine there's a lot of people that don't like speaking of the past over there. <laughs> like, uh, there are probably. Uh, probably one of the most progressive countries in Europe, aren't they? Germany? I mean, it's diverse and it's accepting and all the graffiti I see is, you know, ACAB, Antifa, whatever, you know, fuck Nazis you'll see everywhere. Um, As far as I can tell, yeah, progressive. It's funny how, like, still that I'm hot shit fucking Nazi attitude is still in some of these Germans, you know, like, just the entitlement of certain people, like it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, you lost the war, but grandfather's still a Nazi, wasn't? Yeah, yeah. I think you know what I think it is. I think it's uh, Romans. You know the Romans? Yeah. You know uh, uh, they uh, when Rome fell, they they dispersed, right? They all over the world. Mm. And then I think if you charted the Romans, you'd find this mentality of white people who uh, believe they're the 
better than everyone else or whatever. And, right. And, and they they have this uh, unstoppable urge to take over the world, you know. And some of them went to right. Germany. Some of them went to England. Some of them became Americans, you know. And then, uh, and this is why these countries think that they're superior in every way, you know. But the less of them must have come ah. to Canada because we don't think we're that hot shit. <laughs> no, no, interesting. Yeah, Romans, huh? That's what do Romans think. look like? Big, uh, like, like the, from what I can read, from what I've read, it's like big, tall, kind of like blonde, Aryan-looking people. You know, like uh, that's huh. that's why I kind of think it's uh, if you because the Italians that are there now, they're the people that the squatters and stuff that kind of came in and lived in Rome after everyone else left. Ah, that's like, why they never leave their mom's place. Yeah. And that's why they're kind of like uh like darker and a, like a hodgepodge of everything else. They're just like a mixture of everyone that moved into Italy like Italy after Rome fell. Yo, I, girls say Italian guys are hot, man. Yeah. I I I think uh Italian guys have always been jealous of cuz they uh seem to have more swagger or something around ladies and they can dance better than I can. And so they've always right. they always bothered me. Hey, what do you think? I think it's I think it's maybe good. you have Roman hips. I probably do have Roman hips, you know. That's a shame. That's why I won't take those ancestry things because I don't want to find out that I have some <laughs> some you know, like horrible person in my history. Because <laughs> right now I like to have the belief that we're all farmers and that we were like watching atrocities, but we were just like you know tilling the ground and keeping our you know keeping to our own business. You know, we weren't like doing yeah anything. yeah. I can take you get your genealogy and they're like a hundred percent Kremlin pencil pusher. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who needs to know that? I think we should come up with a new, uh, race altogether, uh, and like make pink people like split the whites into like whites and pinks, you know? Okay. What's a pink? A pink would just be like, you have to qualify to be a pink, you know? So you have to show that you're not a dick. So then you, have like, like, <laughs> Oh, pink as in yes, yes, I see. Like a pink, that's great. And then we can be, I can be pink, and then all the white guilt of the past can stay to the people that want to like you know glorify it. And then I can uh, move on being pink and get like left alone by my friends of color who call me a colonizer all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, all that shit's so funny, man. Like begging colonizer, I'm like. I'm Irish Ukrainian. We're both <laughs> victims of colonization. Yeah, exactly. And they act like sometimes, like, like you know, like, uh, like uh, during the time where uh, we were, where the white man was killing all the natives in North America, uh, the na yeah. the natives were ki were helping kill all the natives, like other natives, like if like they were they were um, doing the same thing to tribes that they felt were inferior to their tribe you know like it, and and if you go to like japan and and see what they did or if you go to, oh yeah you know you can go any kind of race in the world and they were all colonizers they all had slaves they all were people there's just people are just people you know like <laughs> there's evil yeah there's it's just sort of sad that you know guns germs and steel fucking british people got it better faster
you know, they just killed, maimed, and colonized better than others. Yeah, yeah. But I, everyone was, that was the, the game that people were playing back then. It was wrong and evil, but everybody did it. Yeah. I always think about, yeah. you ever hear about those slaves? Uh, and when the, when the slaves were emancipated in uh, in the United States, and they there was a bunch of them that uh, wanted to go back to Africa, so they sent them to Liberia, and then the yes, first, yes, this this the country for liberated slaves. Yeah, and then the first thing they did when they got there was they started enslaving the people that were already there. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, like and so it, they just they don't they don't want to be. They didn't want to make like abolish the system. They just wanted to be in the position of power within that system. You know what I mean? A very human trait, yes. Same with the United States. They wanted to break free of Britain, but they just they just wanted the commoners just wanted to be the noble people. They just changed the rules in mm-hmm. the United States, and they still have this system. So do we in Canada? That's like right. that benefits the people that own stuff and and uh, keeps the people that don't own stuff down. You know. It's, now here's the challenge: make it funny, <laughs> dude. That's exactly it. That's exactly it, eh? Um, yeah, yeah. That a little, I've got a little, a little bit about white, um, white guilt on the album. It goes perfectly fine on the album. You know, it is a fun little challenge. You yeah. just gotta, you know, you pepper in like, yeah, man, I get it. Yeah, it's just you know, white people have done a lot of awful shit. I'm just not one of these people who fucking sits around self-flagellating about it all day and look this might come out, come across as contrived from old gringo round eye up here but uh <laughs> as i'm sure you are i'm exhausted by racism real point of exhaustion for me do we have 90s kids here right? people grew up in the 90s yeah okay did you guys have that naive ass thought that maybe we had racism beat for a while because we all wore stop racism pins <laughs> We all love Jackie Chan and MC Hammer. We were like, we did it! We beat racism! But just like wearing short sleeve shirts over long sleeve shirts, white people keep bringing it back! Okay, I do yearn for a less white world, all right? Do you understand the utopia in my mind? where I can walk through a park without seeing some spinach-chinned honky and a fucking poncho strumming hallelujah on an acoustic, okay? Can we diversify the gene pool so that we never have to see another dog yoga studio again, okay? Let's just fuck people who don't look like us until we never hear the phrase, mm, cool beans, again. <laughs> you know, that's it. I'm also not one of these like self-loathing white people. You know, these depressing fucks who are like, every day I see my reflection in the mirror and I see the pasty face of the ivory colonizer. (laughs) And when I walk through the streets and I see poverty, I know that's the blanched claw of the white man reaching into the pocket of the underprivileged. (laughs) And when I'm eating a sausage McMuffin and I get one of those little hard bits, I'm like, is that bone or cartilage or something? And I'm like, do I root through the mouthful to extract the hard bit or spit out the whole mouthful? Because I paid good money for the sausage McMuffin. I did use a Duke and Dine for $8.99 coupon, but that's the fault of the white man! (laughs) We're at this weird point in history where there are white people trying to tell us they aren't white. I'm looking at you, Italians. (laughs) 
So I was like, bro, no, I'm from fucking Corsica. Guess what, Paisan? You're white. <laughs> I don't care how often you say gob of boots, you think mayonnaise is spicy, you white fuck. Here's a clue how to figure out if, you're, if your people are white or not, okay? If you look in the mirror and you see a white person, you're white. A lot of these problems, my daughter actually helped me with this too. She came, she came back from a, way, a year at art school, which I thought should be more uh, polluted, you know, instead of less. <laughs> but, but she came back and she was... We were we used to have during the pandemic before she went away to school. She had, we had these arguments all the time about like um, like anything politi politically charged or or to do with uh, uh, gay issues or or um, gender issues or anything like that that I was trying to understand. Asking her questions like it turned into a big argument, you know. Mm. And, and uh, but I'm I don't understand because I'm like totally cool with everything like i have no problems with anybody in the world you know like it, to me if i look out the window and i meet people and i've never i've always just had a great interaction with them i've never i i unless they're a dick and then i don't like that person because they're a dick not because of anything else you know for but, sure but uh so i don't know why she's always grumping at me but uh she, she was ba <laughs> she was basically just like uh, regurgitating TikTok, you know, just regurgitating TikTok views of other people's views that she had uh, heard, and she's just repeating them, you know. And she went away to art school, and she come back, and we had one of those issues come up again, and we were kind of like getting into the argument again. And she said, "Wait, this is an internet problem; it's not a real problem." And I go, "What do you mean?" And she says, "Like, do you see this happen when people like she actually she was like, uh, really, really standing up for gay." issues because she would see the problems online right but then she goes to mm -hmm. art, art school where she's in the middle of all these people who, who a lot of them are uh, uh, you know queer in some capacity and they uh just because it's art school you know there's a lot of uh, people and young people in general so then she's she sees uh she's she sees this she lives in it you know and she sees the problems, and it's not as big a deal as they say, because she sees them be resolved in real time, face to face. You know, mm -hmm. people that work shit out. You know, and uh, that's what I always thought. Like, uh, is that, you know, I think in the, I come from a small town too. So like, in small towns, like it's, at no one. It's an issue for like a day, and then it's not an issue. Like people get used to the change, and then. We might make jokes, but we're not like, it's not like we're like uh, judging anybody differently, you know? I always. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like, uh, you grew up in Montreal? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so, like, in Montreal, it'd be like any city where it's like separated by communities, right? Like, there'd be like Little Italy or, or Chinatown and stuff like that. Yes, I found Montreal a lot more segregated in terms of language and race yeah and, and that's how we find in toronto too you know like it's like there's there's like pockets and stuff whereas in small towns it's just like everyone like everyone just is one group you know like, yeah you there's not a lot not enough somali guys to make a little somalia in norfolk county right so you just end up being like you got your one somali friend you know and 
and then yeah yeah and you make fun of him because his food smells different or something like that you know like it's (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not like it's it's more of a welcome to the community to like bust his balls than it is because like we did with to each other like i like white on white racism is really funny to me because i grew up with sure you know like a dutch guy making fun of a belgian guy or a victimless crime yeah like and and so like what if uh if a korean guy moves in and why can't i do the same with that guy you know because and i because historically there has been um you know crimes committed against asian communities by white people is the thing belgians and the dutch or whatever haven't been oh uh, yeah we were kind at of at war with each other oh so oh because oh, okay if we've been at, at a if we've had a war with them then we shouldn't not a literal war but oh, some yeah. form of or, or oppression or prejudice something. oppression where yeah. we've been on the on the like a uh, position of power then i have to then you have to like not make fun of but it, don't you find it to be more welcoming to, to make... i guess it depends on the tone if you're making fun of you know stuff like maybe korea's socio-political customs you know or something like geez you're you know you're for, for example south korea's age of consent is higher than i think most i think it's like 18 or something like that you know you make fun of koreans for being prudes or something yeah i wouldn't go around taping my eyes back or anything no 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 <laughs> there's definitely limits yeah how about positive racism like what what if you were to say like all asians are good at math or something like that that's racist right but it's like right flattering black guys are good dancers you know that's a good that's a flattering stereotype but it's still yeah racist. this is an interesting case by i think you got to just present it in in a way that seems informed and not you know <laughs> not throwing spitballs at it yeah, i'm sorry i don't even know what i'm doing here i'm not pitching jokes but uh, it is funny about white on white racism i've got a track on the album called honky gringo round eye yeah that's the whole like white guilt, whatever. It's the white people, Italians trying to tell us they aren't white, all that stuff. Fucking Apple Music put asterisks in all the letters between the H and the Y in honky. I saw that. I saw that on the track because I listen on Apple Music and uh, it said, I was wondering at first when I saw it, I was like, I was trying to figure out what word could it be because it starts with an H. Honky. They, they fucking bleep honky. Can you believe that shit? That is funny. Uh, that, that honky would be bleeped. I thought we were the we were the forever okay to make fun of us. Kind of, it's like that doesn't hurt any cracker. Even would they would they would they bleep cracker then? Probably <laughs> they didn't bleep round eye. So well, round eye I got it. That is stupid, eh? It is yeah. so funny how, what the who they're protecting <laughs> from honky. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's really weird. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I want. Yeah, it'd be funny. I mean, I'm sure cracker wouldn't get bleeped because you can eat a cracker. Right, right, right. So as long as your racist term is also another thing, you're okay. Yeah, something else. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, but, but it's funny, like the inter- case of like internet problems versus real world problems. Like I saw one thing pop up. I'm like a huge Halloween freak and horror movie freak and saw someone post something like this, this Halloween, maybe be careful um saying that you're having a spooky holidays because the term spook has been used historically to you know denigrate black people i'm like what the fuck spooky 
no, no, no. You got to drop, draw the line. Right. There are a lot of terms that have been hurled at a, you know, variety of races. We can't start. You can't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just say that, like bringing up, you know, for example, like talking about a proboscis monkey or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We still have to talk about animals. And, yeah, yeah. And the spooky season. Excuse me. It's way more. A lot of times, they're actually by protecting the possibility of racism. They're just pointing out their own racism. You know, like they're, true. Yeah, they're just like showing, uh, like that they they're seeing something racist in what you're saying, which is not at all. Like you're not even coming from there. You know, like the problem's really with you, buddy. Um, yeah. Oh, I wanted to say, uh, shit, I lost it. I thought it was a good one. Uh, you had, uh, you're talking about the proboscis before, right before yeah. proboscis, you were saying, uh, uh, the old proboscis monkey. It makes people lose their train of thought all as the soon time. As, as soon as I picture that shake. dangling nose, I just, yeah, yeah. I can't think of anything else. Um, <laughs> No, that's not what honkies honky gringo round eye italian saying that they aren't white yeah it was right it was a ah, fuck it all this lose i'll lose it and get it back again spooky internet oh, spooky, problems. spooky spooky i got it i got it this is uh this is how it shows you i went to this was like um late 80s early 90s right a guy i went to university mm-hmm. with was going to high school late 80s early 90s and he went to a place in galt which is just outside of uh cambridge and uh, their mascot was the ghosts. So they were the Galt ghosts, right? And they he played on the midget basketball team. This, so this was the late 80s. And he had, uh, they were called the spooks because they were the mini, like those young ghosts, right? Wow. And, uh, you know, Cambridge was becoming a little bit more uh, diverse. And then they had a lot of black players on the midget basketball team. And it was on the front of the newspaper, you know, the the just across the jersey, you know, and uh, bad look, man, bad look. <laughs> yeah, that was the last year for the Galt Spooks <laughs> that year. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. You know, I wouldn't name a fucking uh, you know sports franchise the gorillas or apes or something. It's you're just lining yourself up for oh my scandal. God. It is Spooks is so short sighted, though. Oh, I know. Like, I mean, that had to be something from like the the 40s or something then they didn't uh, it wasn't used that maybe that way or I, I don't know like it was something that uh they weren't thinking about <laughs> yeah i mean there are teams called the phantoms there's plenty of good tiny ghostly names you can call your team the poltergeists for all i oh care, yeah but... man yeah yeah just just a dummies that's all it is eh? World... <laughs> that's crazy dude <laughs> yeah i know because they, these are kids that were like the this guy was the high school kid and at the time it happened he thought it was also like completely hilarious and outdated like a, a child at the time figured it out but the school couldn't do it eh? you know like that's right the, right that's uh, how stupid it is from the mouths of babes hey uh hunter i wanted to say because we went we talked earlier about um how my path went through um like i went to banking and you mm-hmm. You you started out and actually went to and, and studied how to be a comedian. Is that right? You went to Humber College? Yeah, I did. Yeah, no. yeah I did a two-year uh, undergrad at Humber College for comedy writing and performance. Uh, I went to film school in Montreal for two years before that. And I just found, like, ugh, movie people, cinema people back then, they were all making movies about 
sad clowns on the side of the highway in black and white, you know, and it just wasn't my jam. Mm -hmm. And so I found this through happenstance on this program in Toronto and uh, the course names were like stand up, improv, sketch comedy. And I was like, you know, in love right away, moved to Toronto the next year. And I was 19. So it was a good idea at the time. And I learned a lot. It was like a two year sort of intensive study in all the different shapes that uh, the comedy world takes on. Um, and uh, I think it, it gave me a little leg up out of the gate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, I was wondering that because like, uh, I've, uh, like most, most comedians that I know haven't gone through that, but then you'll always see the class, you know, like they'll go up before the uh, amateur night or whatever, you know, to see the, the, the Humber kids will be up there doing it. And, you know, I've watched their acts before. There's a lot of good, good people, but then you never see them in like, when you keep going, you, like you don't, mm -hmm. do you see a lot of your classmates that are still doing it or people that you knew from that? Well, say out of a class of like 60, a cohort of 60, we had a high success rate, probably six or six or seven of us are still doing it. Oh, wow. So you'll, you'll have me, Nick Beaton, Cal Post, Brian O'Gorman, Sarah Hennessy, Norm Souza writes comedy sketches for like Fox Sports right now. Tyler Morrison, total roast freak. He's still doing oh, it. Oh, he did it too? Um, yeah. Rodrigo Fernandez Stoll's huge in Canadian acting right now. Um, you know, even a gigantic, you'll see doing still. He's, I don't know. Yeah, and that's two real, feet out the door, really. Well, that's, and that's still, like you said, that's pretty impressive for a class like that because and that's still less yeah. than 10 percent that's still 10 percent you know like or or so yeah i think we were a high high success rate year though but then you have people like nathan mcintosh you know has done all the late night shows he came out of humber nathan fielder both the nathans yeah yeah, yeah. so like I mean, nathan fielder is like the biggest name in comedy right now and he like writes for sasha baron cohen and See, Humber kids. Yeah, see, yeah, well, I'm definitely gonna show this to my dad. I'm just gonna like cut this part out. <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> no, uh, I mean it was a fun time. It was like two years of like every day was Animal House, you know, yeah. and um, no one took anything seriously. It was great. You were just cracking jokes for whatever it was, seven hours a day, five days a week. Yeah. It was pretty bonkers. Yeah. And you found like-minded people, like really like-minded because comedy is so specific in the arts, you know, it's not like film yeah. where yeah. you can really sort of branch out. You can become, you can, from, from a film program, you can become, uh, you know, a sports broadcasting behind the scenes person, or you can become an action movie director, but comedy is pretty tight knit. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a dream two years, man. Learned a lot for sure. I definitely, if you're young, like I definitely recommend checking out Humber. And you want to, you're not sure what you want to do, go fucking blow a couple G's on a on an undergrad. Yeah. And the diploma got me in places too. Like people saw it's a worthless piece of paper or whatever, but I used that thing to get writing gigs, man. And I had a fat corporate creative writing job for like four years before I was able to finally transition into just doing comedy full time. Like, it totally who doesn't want a accredited funny writer yeah yeah like whether you're going into advertising or um 
marketing or any sort of like leadership and development. Like there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and you do pick up a lot of good skills. Like I'm a voiceover guy now and we learned all about timing and, uh, you know, certain mic technique things that still help me out today. I can't back it up hard enough actually. Oh yeah. Um, that, that's interesting, man. That's, that really gives me a new take on it. Cause you always hear the guys, you know, the guys that did it without it that are yeah. just like the only way to do it is to do it you know the only way to learn is to do it you know but then there is well, there's a, that too but there yeah well you still have to do it at the end of the day you still have to do it but there is still value in the in the theory you know like if you're a musician you can play by ear like you can figure out how to play or mm -hmm. you can s study the music theory and and notate it and all the rest of it and understand all the mechanics of it it, it both ways to the person that's hearing the music is the same is the same but the um but the understanding of the musician like you don't know that paul mccartney can't read music you know mm -hmm. but you but if he could read music i think he would be even better don't you think <laughs> good yeah quite possibly and i think you that's never know the where thing with naivete might take you into like a different better direction like, i don't know oh, it's all a crapshoot man yeah that's a that's a, that's interesting too because maybe you went to humber and they taught you this like these techniques and it may pigeonhole you into thinking just that way you know like it did do that too actually and i had to sort of unlearn a lot of things really yeah yeah i, I interviewed this For guy sure. i interviewed this musician fred eaglesmith and he told me he one time spent two weeks trying not to believe in gravity right that was his his point and i'm like what I said, I spent two weeks trying not to believe in gravity. And I said, well, why? And he says, because it wasn't until I questioned everything that I thought was law, you know, everything that I believed was just like the way that it had to be. I had to like, I had to like question everything so that I didn't believe anything was true in order to have pure creative freedom. Because then I'm, wow. I'm not, I wasn't encumbered by anything, any of these like restraints, he said. And that's fucking interesting. Eh? Pretty deep. Eh? For, yeah, it was it was an interesting concept. A uh, really cool uh, guy to talk to. Um, that's so fun. I wish I had something that interesting to say. Like, I spent spent two weeks trying to convince myself that fat crooked <laughs> dongs are funny. Oh, they're hilarious every time. And they get up uh, in the wall. Two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm. I have the same way. I like all I got is, all I got is dick jokes. But I just love them so much, and I can't. I can't help it. Eh? I can't help it. You, yeah, you're still in love with it. I, I do. I, I. That's my favorite thing to do is dick jokes because it's. It, like I think there's a certain amount. You call yourself the world's foremost nincompoop comic, right? Like. Yeah. Like there's. That's something. absolutely true. I am. <laughs> there's there's like something to be said about like just silliness you know just kind of like this this is just like uh we're just trying to have fun you know like it's not like uh, we already talked about the important stuff and how to say things that like you feel and make people kind of think even though uh it might uh not get the reaction that you want but the other reaction of just telling the fart joke and hearing the immediate uh pop is uh that that's never going to be not fun to me you know like it's just yeah so fun. it's why people are there is yeah. for that is to pop off yeah you know and it's once once you start sacrificing that 
you know, for the sake of your important message or whatever, I think you're failing yeah. as a comedian. Um, it's nice if you can do both. And I think a lot of that comes with wisdom. Like I've been doing it 20 years, but I was a dumb kid for three quarters of that. And I'm just sort of now maybe starting to come around to, I don't know, maybe I certainly wouldn't say what I have to say is important, but a lot of more of what I say is important to me at least. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That's uh that comes through really. And I think it comes through with, uh, um, well, all those kind of things. Like, uh, like I look at it cause I know the sausage is made and, and the, in order for you to get some of those bits, like you had to, you had to go through some, uh, like difficult, uh, nights, you know, like you had to kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, make some mistakes in order to get to where that was, you know? I'm sort of mad at myself cause I didn't do my more, most hardcore bit on the album. And I was so beat up about it, I, I shimmied it into a sketch, like the, last, the final sketch from the album. Oh, yeah. And, the one in, the, in, and, in hell? Yeah, yeah, where I, talk, I talked to the devil about I was murdered on stage by some conservative progressives <laughs> and uh, with impossibly tight, short bangs. Um, and I wind up in hell talking to the devil, and I'm like, and it turns out I go to hell because I did too many jokes, which is just a comment, commentary on people being so fucking mad at comedians these days, yeah. but um, that they deserve to go to hell. And so I shimmied the joke in there, but man, it fucking kills me that I didn't do it live. And I think it's actually a good point. The joke was, you know, yeah. just how religions are all at each other's throat over who's better and who's worse. And they're all trash and they fucking, they, they hurl accusations at each other like, ah, yeah, you've, you've abused the children. It's like, yeah, you both do, man. You really both do. Catholic priests are awful. There's a lot of people in the Middle East fucking marrying children. Like, yeah. get over yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's, like, nobody's got it right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I got to say, I do, I, I do believe that uh, the Jewish people are way less um you know uh condemnable than any than any of the big the big three abrahamics oh yeah like uh um it, it's weird because it's the same book for like the the base yeah. is the same for everyone but it's just all about interpretation eh? and uh i think yeah, yeah i i've been i've been actually really into because i uh, after i had a kind of a breakdown at 40 or whatever which is what and uh so on my rebuilding over the last eight years, uh, I've uh, done a lot of uh, research into philosophy and different sort of teachings and stuff like sure. that. And uh, I really like this guy, Alan Watts. Have you ever heard of Alan yeah, Watts? Yeah, I love Alan Watts. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love Alan Watts. And uh, he, his take on Jesus and Christianity and all that stuff is really that Jesus was a Buddhist and that he was saying, you know, we are all God, you know, that we are all like everything is God, you know, like mm-hmm. those oneness, this Buddhist kind of philosophy. And just because of the capacity of the audience that he was trying to explain it to, they, yeah, they interpret it as that he was the special son of God. And the rest of us were like meant to worship him, but he was trying to say, mm-hmm. no, no, we are like, we, the collective of us, you know, everything you see and everything that, uh, the reality is made by all of us 
And so therefore, you know, we're God, you know, and uh, a nice sentiment, you know, and then this is this could have been a beautiful religion. You know, this could have been a, a hopeful. Everybody creates the best world that we live in. And instead, it's like, no, no, you guys are pieces of shit. You got to be guilty about yourself. And uh, this yeah. one, one guy was great, but you guys are all like eternal sinners, you know. And uh, I, I really, you know, how could you get it so wrong is kind of the, the, the thing, you know. It's just, right, and, right. and to go to your to go to your point, I think the, the uh, wherever Judaism is now, uh, they kind of just look at it in a more reasonable light. Out of all of them, I think they have the most reasonable outlook. Like when you go, you can go to a rabbi and get like an actual advice and like. Right. They'll tell you. It's almost more more a culture than a religion. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that's, I think religion is really supposed to do is build community. And I think a lot of them, a lot of people, that's what they're looking for. It's just a community, you know. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of good people in, in those things. But the the things themselves are shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yes, they are. They really are. I've been listening um, to a few podcasts about yeah the notion of cultural religion versus you know fervent fundamentalist religion you know the notion of cultural muslims and stuff like that and the and what i think makes audiences uncomfortable is that when you criticize a religion they they they're not sure if you're criticizing the ideologies or the people and i think it's important to protect protect the people nurture the people but it's important to be highly scrutinous of these ideologies. Um, and sometimes that subtext maybe doesn't come across in a bit, but, um, you know, I know I do, I do my best to sort of do that without explicitly saying it because I don't want to baby the audience. No, but you have to think it. I mean, it's got to be the base of it, you know, like uh, I think yeah. that's important uh, anymore with any joke telling now is that you have to say, okay, the joke, if, like if you have a good, a good joke um you you just basically have to make sure that you're um always like uh boost I, I think in the past you could just attack even the audience you could just go at the people and just kind of attack them where now i find that like crowd work effective crowd work is not so much uh, going at the audience but like maybe like boosting the audience up maybe like i, I see more guys that are like flowery bullshit uh to like it's like uh, uh maybe they're putting themselves down putting that guy over but it's tongue in cheek you know what i mean but you're yeah, still yeah. you're you're almost you always got to be like taking care of people and making yes. everybody look uh good it, you can look bad you can look stupid like the uh, the target's more of, of you as a comic that you're the person taking the brunt of the the heat um but where in the past you could just you could be that like alpha that's going at everyone else and target target target. Mm-hmm. Where I think now your targets can be institutions, but they can't be people. Your your targets can be ideology, but not people. You know, like like as long as you're mm-hmm. saying that people are good, I think you're good. Where before I I think like maybe 20 years ago in comedy that wasn't a consideration. You just went for the no. the joke, the target. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I think also like uh, I'm I'm not a I'm not big on Jesselnik's material, but I think he's an interesting person, and um, he's saying that you know, and I I understand where Jesselnik comes from on stage. You know, I just think he's kind of smarmy and smug, but mm. he says like uh, 
his material, which is highly subversive and highly, I don't know, he go he he goes to touchy areas. He touches exposed nerves. Yeah. Um, he says, "You understand by how far I go, what side of the conversation I'm really on." Mm. And for some people, that's not enough. Yeah, like I, I my take on Jeselnik is the jokes win, like for me. Like, mm-hmm. they're so good that um, just as a the mechanism of the joke, like the yeah, the preciseness of it, you know, I I really like yes. like that, and uh, I see the like I I see the 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 craftsmanship in that to say I really Absolutely. that's what I enjoy, but like the you know like this is a his persona on stage is a person that I would never, you know, want to spend time with, you know, like, right. <laughs> but, but the but jokes are like the jokes yeah. are, I'm in awe of actually. Like, how yeah. Good. And I watched Jesselnik. I know he's a progressive guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's all bullshit. And I, like, I, I kind of like comics that don't give a straight answer. I know I was, I actually didn't know what I was going to be in for with you today because uh, on your website, you know, a lot of your facts are bullshit, you know, about yourself. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah, they're not. <laughs> but uh, I like that. But, like, I like when you watch an interview with, like, Gilbert Godfrey or someone like that. And, like, he doesn't answer one question straight the whole time, you know. Like, there's never, a, a, like, a it's just for the joke, you know. And I, I there's, yeah. there's something I like about, like, something that's, like, freeing about that. But then there's another part of me that just loves an exposed nerve, you know, like someone that's putting them whole self out there and, and like, let, like just being honest, you know? And so, yeah, and there's room for everybody. Like yeah. a lot of, you know, it's a, a big internet, it's an internet problem where people are like, ah, oh, this kind of comedy is stupid and has to go. It's like, no one's coming to your show and telling you the same thing. Like yeah. there's room for everyone. I keep saying, you know, there's room for Doug Stanhopes and there's room for Hannah Gatsby's. Yeah. That's the thing. There's audiences for everyone. And that, I think, that, you know, like it's an internet problem versus real problem. I don't think that. Yeah. I think there's enough people who are perfectly fine with all com- like comedians just being comedians. It's the small, uh, the small population of people who decide that they're going to make a big deal about everything they don't like. Like they think that we, yeah. they think we care about it. Who cares what you don't? Yeah, yeah. I think this the same way. You know, they need to get over the fact that there is subversive comedy over uh, out there. Comedians need to get over the fact that there are audiences who don't like what they do. Mm-hmm. It's just they're just noise. Just keep doing what you're doing. Have fun. Have hopefully it's still fun for you. You know, because I think for a lot of people, comedy is no fun, and you can tell. And then I think their art suffers. Yeah. It becomes tainted and just full of, they're not doing it for the right reasons anymore. They're doing it to get back at that, that person who yeah. tweeted at them, you know, and it just, um, it's no fun for anybody. It's like a roast where the people actually hate each other. It's just, <laughs> it's like a your parents fighting. Oh, that's It's not cool. UFC anymore. It's your fucking parents yeah, yeah, about yeah. to get divorced. <laughs> yeah. That would be awful, actually. I've never really thought of that. Like a roast where people actually hate each other would be absolutely. Oh no, it'd be terrible. I'll come back. Okay, it would be terrible. It would be terrible. 
Because, yeah, it would be. It would just be like a, an uncomfortable, even if the jokes were good, it would still be yeah. uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah, there has to be an element of love in it or it doesn't work. Well, I was just, I was on, a, I did a couple seasons of Roast Battles Canada and you'll see a couple of those roasts that the people don't like each other and the jokes are good, but it was like so cringe. Yeah, especially for people that know the, the history <clears throat> yeah, of the yeah. people, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I've uh I watched one of your roast battles actually. Um on Oh, who which one? Um you had you had long hair and Yeah, yeah, still do. Oh yeah. I thought it was well who, It was longer. Who are you up against? Um I roasted a lady Cassie Cow, Jeff Paul, and Courtney Gilmore and oh, uh, Paul Cow. Brownrig. It was Cassie Cow. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I saw. Yeah, yeah. It's it's harder. Do you find like I've watched roast, the roast battles from different countries? Like I watched the British one and then the Canadian one. I really those are the only two. Oh, British one's great, man. The British one's great. Yeah, it's so great. And then the, I don't know if it's because I know the people on the like I know some of the people on the Canadian one. If that's why I I can't. It's like I can't uh, be objective to look at it. Or yeah. if, if I if Canadian stuff is just always missing something and I can't and we can't put our finger on it, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong because I know the, like it. Why can't we be? Why can't that be as funny as the British one? Is what I mean. Like why can't it? There's something I can't put my finger on. It. I I got a couple controversial opinions. Okay, I like to hear you. Okay, I think a we have worse editors, so a lot of what. I did on there was edited by someone who's never seen comedy or like read a book or talked to somebody. It was crazy, like just jarring. Like that's how you decided to cut that up. It's it's you make me look like a fucking just a rock dumb. Um, They're putting. I would never tell that joke. Yeah, yeah, and I I find that, that way. They, they try to characterize a lot of people in a way that I've seen them perform it and I don't mm -hmm. feel that's them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. True. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing is um, I think Canadian showbiz suffers from a bit of smaller, the potatoes, bigger, the egos. So the judges you have in the UK, you've got Russell Brand and uh, Catherine Ryan and uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Carr hosting. Yeah. They're all wonderful monoliths of their respective areas of comedy, and they're just taking the piss out of each other and laughing about it and loving it. Mm. In Canada, we're also bloody insecure because, you know, we feel like if someone insults us, everyone's going to believe it, and then that'll lead to me being a fucking loser. No one's going to hire a fucking loser. It's this crazy fear. It's this fear that stems from lack of opportunity. So, and I think because of that, people can't take jokes well. And that was the performers, the judges, they're all like, like, I think Kate Trevor Wilson steals the show on Canadian roast battles, but yeah, um, overall there was like, it was, I was insulting everybody and no, and everyone else was afraid to insult the judges because they wanted to win. And I'm like, yeah. it's predetermined. It's all fucking do. We're trying to make TV, not fucking. Yeah. You're not trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so I think it suffered from a little bit of that. Thirdly, and from a macro standpoint, the reason why the British one 
stands out compared to the Canadian one is because Canadian comedians aren't as good. Yeah. And everyone, we're so up our own fucking ass. And I think it breeds apathy and lethargy. We're like, why don't we have all these opportunities that they have in the UK and the US? We're just as funny. No, we aren't. And the reason why is because we don't have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And the reason we don't have those opportunities is because no one consumes our product and that's the fault of Canadians. So Canadian people are the biggest reason why Canadian showbiz sucks. Mm -hmm. We don't fucking, cons cons we don't consume ourselves. So there's no impetus to create more and, or, 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 and, and, and foster more opportunity. Yeah. Why would there be, why would there be a million Canadian productions if no one's going to fucking watch it? Everyone's going to watch American and British shit anyways. Yeah. So, and why don't we support our own? I think, I think Canadians are plagued by this um, mentality that's like, oh, buddy's up there on stage. Why does he think he's so hot? Why does he think he's so, he or she, she think she's so good? You're just as good as me, buddy. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, it it just makes for um, you know the no star system that we have, et cetera. But you look at Quebec; these comedians have to turn over a new hour every year because they consume their own. Uh, yeah, and that's why it sucks. Yeah, well, I I can't disagree with any of those points. Um, but the the main thing is like you look what the music industry did in the '90s in Canada, uh, and it was because because mm -hmm. of, of Celine Dion, like we had. They they got a bunch of Celine money because she made it was a, all Canadian and then they invested that in the Canadian music industry and then all mm. of a sudden we started consuming Canadian stuff and like and uh, much music helped with that yeah much music uh, and then and so like this all of a sudden led to now we do consume Canadian music and there is good Canadian music out there and and there always really was it's just that it wasn't uh, promoted and it wasn't uh, known about really. And now, mm -hmm. and I think that's the same thing that we need to do with Canadian comedy, if it has any chance, because we're already up against huge geography, sporadic populations, yeah. like it's, it's an inferior country to do comedy in, in every way already. And then, yeah. and then we don't uh, invest in it like other countries do. We have the biggest comedy festival in the world and we promote other countries stuff, you know, like, like, a, yeah, I, you know what? those comedians from the other countries are funnier than us i know over like there's so many to bring in and i don't think i don't know what the answer is i think the country needs a huge paradigm shift and it's such a big ask yeah for us to want to watch our own shit i don't know it's like a chicken and egg thing well you i think we might just be fucked and it's time to give up well i i'm actually right there hunter i'm 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 looking at moving in a like meet like uh my kids are grown now and i'm just like why yeah. why, why would i stay here i just got to go somewhere i just can't be here and um mm -hmm. have you done you've done comedy everywhere right like you've have you done it i've only done comedy in like half a dozen countries oh yeah you went to australia right yes yes that was great yeah and they're, they're um, the same like they're spread out sparse population right they're yeah yeah um how are the audiences there um say um uh, com comparable to canada and that they're different if you go from small towns to big cities um 
I saw a lot of weird shit that would not fly in metropolises when I was up in Cairns and northeast Queensland, um, whereas stuff in Sydney was a lot closer to a Toronto scene. So um, a bit of social justice, some alternative comedy, and then some hard-hitting club comedy that flew, uh, that did really well. But the stuff that I saw in some of the rural environments was a little less... I don't know what the word is. Polished? I don't know. Yeah, less polished and a little, like, there was a ton of dog-eating jokes at the start of <laughs> Corona. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a little, yeah, yeah. it was a real head, a real head, eyebrow raiser, head shaker, you get various that... parts of my anatomy going up and down. Yeah, unfortunately, you get that. Boner shit. killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get that shit in pockets of Toronto, too. Like, there's just certain. Yes. I, I absolutely. Yeah. I, I think in the smaller scenes, the smaller stand-up scenes, those guys kind of get weeded out. Uh, the the people that are like being a little bit like in, like that don't get it, that maybe have a little bit more hate behind their jokes and stuff like that, they'll get kind of weeded out. But well, in, you'll get punched in the face in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. You will. Yeah. But then in the bigger centers like you there's just can be enough of them that they can put on their own show you know what i mean right and then that's where that's where they kind of can believe they're not doing anything wrong because they're not being policed because they just have the sounding board of their own which i guess is them finding their audience maybe that's what uh, yeah yeah I yeah mean, yeah like you said let uh let darwinism run its course there yeah. but yeah the crowds in in australia were awesome we performed along you know, all the whole entire coast where there's people from Western Australia and then all the way up the East Coast didn't do much in Southern Australia. But yeah, it was, it was a dream to just go there and crush. Have you done, done with, any stand-up in Europe? Uh, I did Edinburgh one year at the Edinburgh Fringe Fest. And then I did a couple of shows in Berlin when I first got here. And that was great too. What's cool about <clears throat> what I've done in Europe so far is like, everyone's from somewhere else and so you're playing to a crowd uh, of like you know people from 15 different countries yeah. and but they're like freshly from 15 different countries and they are culturally different you know it's not like toronto which sure is a multicultural hub but they're they're, they're, they're torontonians yeah yeah, yeah yeah so this you're playing for fucking scandies and spaniards and brits and central europeans it's a cool challenge yeah yeah that's really good that's that's to me is like a dream eh? it's the best test of your jokes you know like you can see these are universal jokes or not you know that's yeah yeah that's what i, I love um, you always feel like the new inmate when you go to a new town to perform you know it's like yeah oh boy do i sidle up to the weird big guys so they don't get me in the showers or maybe i'll just be here safe in numbers with the rest of these weak lemmings yeah where do i go <laughs> yeah exactly uh man well um i think i kind of i think that's I, I took that's about all i really had for you hunter uh I well mean, I, hope, I, mean, I hope we got through it all oh yeah oh no i the only other thing i had was because you take edgy you do edgy uh subject matter do you ever have people who uh, laugh at your jokes for the wrong reasons and then come up to you like after the show sharing their 
political opinions uh, because they felt you were on their side and you were totally not on their side? I think any misunderstandings I get are from, from the other side of that. It's people being like, you fucking asshole, how dare you say that? I never get, I never get people who oh, like my stuff for the wrong reason. No. Oh, thank God. It's the worst. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did it one time. I did a show called Meet a Muslim, right? And I had a, a drywaller from Turkey. He's a, a Muslim guy. I had him come in and my whole crew of Norfolk County, like farmers and, and local, you know, guys, I had a band at the time and they came in and uh, uh, we all just got to know this guy, asked him all the questions about Muslims that we could come up with, you know, so that we could learn. Right? <laughs> like a, like some freak in a science lab. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we learned a lot of cool things. He, tur he turns into a bear when he dies or something like that. And uh, Whoa, they, lucky. They keep a, 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 like a little like a genie lamp behind the toilet with water in it to wash their bum. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's maybe, maybe a sect of Turkish Muslims. I don't know. Maybe what, it's just that guy's family. I could be getting it all wrong, too. This was a long time ago. But then, anyways, the point Imagine you walk some, into like a... Uh, a mosque, you're like, hey, where's that genie lamp you guys washed the shit out of your asshole with? I'm yeah. uh, not sure which custom you're referring to. You just rub it and you say, I wish my butthole was clean. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, uh, no, so uh, we do this show. We have, a, we have a great conversation. He's a nice guy. Everyone gets along great. We're still friends with that. He's a good guy. And uh, um so uh, I have this guy, listener of the show. He sees me in town, and then he says, hey, I listen to that show, Meet a Muslim. I agree with you 100%. They need to stay in their own country or whatever. They, uh, and I'm like, whoa, that is not at all at all what I said. Like, that is the opposite of what I said. I was like, hey, you guys, like, Islamophobia is based on ignorance. Like, that's what I was trying to say. It's like, if you get to know these people, you'll realize they're exactly like us. They're just people, you know? Like, it's like, stop being in, like narrow-minded that was the moral of the whole show it was the yeah premise you could tell from the title yeah i mean i set it up that in that fashion like uh, i can't understand but like people generally even in an audience when they're listening to your jokes um uh, they are they're thinking of their grocery list they're thinking of their you know their uh what they gotta where they gotta run the kids to you know their minds mm -hmm. are they're only getting parts of their of your stuff and if they're not 100% paying attention and their own personal prejudice or bias grab a hold of it they can make it mean whatever they want it to mean you know don't you yeah yeah absolutely and I've only encountered that people hating my jokes for what I think is the wrong reasons rather than liking my jokes for the wrong reasons oh yeah yeah well that's a good that's a a, a good problem to have I guess I would I would would you take a gasp what how do you rank a gasp an audible gasp of the audience, like a, a versus a laugh, is it? Does it? How does it? How does it uh, feel to you? Well, I think a. I think well, a. I think there's different kinds of gasps. I think there's a, and I think there's a oh, and I'll take a oh, uh, uh, at the same, you know, the same value as a good laugh, any day. I don't. I don't want the. I don't want the inward gasps i like the outward gasps but yeah, yeah. no no the, I, inward gasp is like oh fuck what did i do yeah oh. yeah yeah. that's like the suck the life out of the room i did i did a show yeah 
I did a show in Burlington a couple weeks ago, and uh, they were an awesome crowd, but they were like upper middle class, you know. Uh, and yeah, and uh, I tell my dirty jokes, and uh, I'm getting great reaction, you know, like really popping. And then I tell some of my mental health stuff, my gay stuff, whatever, and just nothing, like 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 not a gap, not anything, just silence, just like like from from really a good pop for the other jokes to, mm. to nothing and then i would go with another dick joke get the pop and then say okay maybe i can sneak this one in and then boom dies it, like it was like they hated anything where i was like where they could feel sorry for me where there was an opportunity to feel sorry for me they would yeah. just feel sorry for me they were just so sweet they were just so nice you know like, oh. they didn't want to feel bad they didn't want but if I tell those same jokes in a sh- shitty town where people's factory just closed and the uh, you know they've they've been through some shit they You're still describing Burlington to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, must I think have... the coke factory went under. I don't know. To me Burlington I'm from Delhi, so like to me Burlington seemed pretty nice. Like <laughs> It's all about perspective. Yeah. Um but yeah, like like if you go to like uh Oshawa, for example, like Oshawa would would love those jokes that the that that particular crowd hated. You know, like a, if I go to like a like a, a darts room in Oshawa, you know, like yeah, they're gonna like it. But if if I do Oshawa, it's crazy. It's such a <laughs> amalgamation of rodeo clowns and the women who blow them. It's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, it's really insane. But I found this one phenomenon with um more uh you know country towns when it comes to challenging material certainly about like identity and stuff like that stuff that could be perceived as phobic of any sort it's harder to push there because those communities are less in on the joke than the bigger cities are and so they're afraid of appearing as you know, backwards country bumpkins. So they're like, I, I don't think I'm supposed to laugh at that is going through their mind, you know? Whereas if you were to do that in Toronto, Calgary, whatever, they'd be like, oh, no, I get it. This guy's joking, you know? So, yeah. Um, Cause you're confronted real, with it on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the fun of comedy, man. It is like, it's, it's, uh, it's a science that applies differently on the different planets, you know, the gravity's different everywhere. If you believe in that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 It is. That's what I like about it. It's like, I like any sort of a thing that I can do for the rest of my life and never know all there is to know about it. You know, it's, it's infinite. There's there's an, there's an infinite number of things to learn so I can always be challenged by it. It's like uh, perfect, you know, for me. Yeah. We, we still don't know why we laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just because it's, the preferable option to crying in the face of death. Yeah, yeah. It is weird, though. Imminent. That's the beautiful, the best thing is when you can tell a joke that people do not want to laugh at, but you've figured out the way to say it that they're going to laugh anyways. Like, it's just a that good of a joke and because it's involuntary. They have to do it. Like, they laugh whether mm-hmm. they want to laugh or not, you know? So even if in their head yeah. they say, I don't want to laugh at that, but it's a funny joke and I get it, you know? like they have to laugh so yeah yeah i only get busy living or get busy dying at every turn yeah yeah 
you I, I find not, like a bomb now like when a joke doesn't land especially if i know where like where i'm going with it um it doesn't bug me it's like just information you know like it, it sometimes it even like if a joke i've told a, a bunch of times and it works uh, uh bombs then that makes me laugh because you guys all hate it like this thing's worked everywhere you know like why do, why do you guys all hate it you know like that is uh yeah that, that's kind of funny to me but then the if i'm working on a new joke and it bombs but i know it's going somewhere then i'm just happy to get the information you know like i'm just happy to yeah get, and so that helps you edit yeah so like to me where when i started it was like a personal attack on whether i was delusional or not you know and <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and, now, and now it's like oh this is just like how i get my information you know <laughs> that hit hard dude <laughs> what the uh delusional stuff yeah because I, I wonder that still all the time you do of course of course oh i'm surprised you have to, to. keeps you honest well well but, but like you can't you know you're funny though like you know you can do it you've done it for 20 years <laughs> like yeah i've got i've got 20 years of history that sort of in the back of my mind proves to me i can do it but yeah and still it's the act of going up there and saying what i have is important for you to listen to even from an entertainment standpoint is so pompous <laughs> like i grapple with that all the time comedy is it just at its core embarrassing <laughs> You couldn't be more right. You explained it to people. Can I please be uh, on a raised platform and amplified and, you know, a, a spotlight shone on me so you can all hear what I have to say and be, yeah. be quiet and listen. You know? <laughs> you know, and I don't know if that's like me sort of embodying what I hate about the Canadian population, that I think it's immodest and it's bred into us to think that. Yeah. But it, it makes me cringe, man. Well, that is that is funny. I think that's maybe you're onto something there, because like, you know, America's like uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, it's yeah. all all very selfish stuff. You know, and I think Canada's yeah. is uh, is like uh, something like fairness and good government. <laughs> Boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all like for the greater greater good of the society as a whole and forget yourself and all the rest of it. Like we are just as a culturally and we're not meant to be as boastful and braggadocious as the Americans are. And we're not even supposed to be as selfish as they are, you know, but yeah, it serves you well in comedy to be selfish. <laughs> like, it, yeah. I mean, sure. From a, from a career drive perspective on stage, I'm not sure. Well, and certainly in Canada, like I, I've got this fucking satin dragon jacket. I wore it on one of the roast battles. It's so sick. And every time I wear it, I just bomb like crazy because these Canadian crowds are like, fuck this satin dragon jacket motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sure if I did a set in like Miami with that thing, I'd, I'd be elected mayor the next morning. Yeah, there's a quality about you, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but there's a certain quality about you that's ultra likable, and there's a certain quality about you that's ultra unlikable. You know, like <laughs> so you don't know. 
Like, what's where? What is this guy? You know, like, is it a guy I like or a guy I don't like? And uh, it could just be something as easy as a satin jacket. They'll just tip it to the other side. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah, tips the scales, buddy. Flip. By the scale way, scale falls off the fulcrum, down off the counter, big clang. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, by the way, I feel comfortable saying that to you because I feel the same way about myself. Like, I don't. I do think that. I like just a white male in general on stage. There's a there's a people are gonna say what kind of a guy you know is this guy uh, a dick or is he like we're not the worst people in the world. But if you were to like drop a you know describe a what we what a the worst person in the world looks like to like a police sketch artist. There's oh yeah, it's me. They could look draw either one of us. Yeah, <laughs> we don't. Oh, know. Yeah, the mustache, the long hair. People fucking hate it. They call me a pedophile magician. There's every anything. Oh yeah, like a ch- Chinese pimp. I've been described as before. I get douchebag. Um, I get douchebag a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the curves brim, bro. Horrible douchebag is what I, I believe they like to call me. <laughs> You know what that that me being hateable and likable thing, it's by design, oh, yeah. and and it's this sick weird pride thing that I have, where I want to be liked despite being unlikable. I want to prove to people that I can say undislikable things, and still be in, still be liked. Isn't that fun? Is that weird? No, no, no. I think that sick. It's manipulative. I don't know. It's a no. That's the that's the craft. That's the craft of the where you're the balancing act of comedy that you're trying to get to. You know, you, that's the the spot that you're trying to put your character. Like I think that's makes perfect sense to me. Like I think that's not dissimilar to what I'm trying to do. Like I don't want people. I I admire people that can go up there and be unlikable, like just pure unlikable. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, where they just have. Like Jeslinek in a way, like that bravado, like yeah. that, 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 or even like. A, but he's a wrestler. He's a he's a unlikable the same way Ravishing Rick Rude is unlikable. Yeah, or like Jason Rouse or something like that. You know, like how he's yeah. got a, like a, this dark character. You know, like it's like a, it's like a, you kind of like you accept it as the bad guy or whatever. You know, and then you just let him yeah. be the bad guy. I I always find that to be. Uh, that would be awesome. It would be so freeing to be just be this like bad guy wrestler on stage, you know? But Yeah, because theater needs villains. Yeah, yeah. But I don't but I don't really but I I am not a villain. Like I think that's the mm-hmm. that's the real thing. And then so I think I'd be like I think they because I'm so big on honesty, I think they would uh, smell it on me that I'm like pretending. Right. Yeah. And then and there's a fine line between like being naughty you know and like the appeal there's there's a certain appeal to being naughty because it's like ah look at that plucky little prick there testing the testing the borders you know forcing evolution like there there's something i strive for in that to you know i strive to embody that but being naughty can like easily just turn into being a piece of shit yeah 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 exactly yeah like we all like the kitten who like is told not to knock a roll of toilet paper off the counter does it anyway yeah yeah i sort of try to do that yeah 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 yeah. Exactly. But sometimes i fucking not, don't just knock that over there's a hot pot of coffee you know there's fucking glass and dark liquid seeping into the 
living room carpet, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's e- it's easy for that to go awry. I, I try to go more for bumbling idiot, like, like, like I just don't get it. Like I'm fumbling my way through through life, like trying to understand yeah. it, like uh, thinking that my ignorance can be my my thing. You know that people would find it endearing. He always just stupid. You know, like he's just uh yeah. You know, he's 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 sweet, but he's a he's a dummy. You know, like that's kind of where I think they can find. And there's a fine line between bumbling idiot and a complete fuck up. That yeah, no one wants a complete fuck up around them. Yeah, makes their day worse. Yeah, yeah. But a bumbling idiot's like, oh boy, did you see that? Like, oh boy, Pete tied his shoelaces together. That's great. Yeah, like a Yogi Bear or something that says something profound, wherein he's really kind of just a simpleton. You know, like yeah, that's kind of what if you can kind of disguise like really important or. Um, really like deep thoughts or, or opinions that you have as a as a dumb opinion that the crowd can understand you're still yeah. making a, and you're but you're making a point like a dummy would i think that mm-hmm. that, that 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 would work like they're like oh he's kind he's kind of right but he's like saying it wrong you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a sick angle well how did that weekend we did in london go because you, you said we gig together at the london club right yeah, Yucks in London. It was uh, we did two shows. Um, Who else was on? The headliner was uh, uh, it was a Toronto guy, one of the Kyles, one of the Kyles, I think, or something. And I I don't remember the headliner actually, to be honest with you, because I uh, but the Anthony Malekis was the host, and then I was just doing Malekis. Yeah. It was years ago, though. It was. Must uh, have been. And I did uh, two shows on a Friday. I remember there was a 40th birthday party and a 21st birthday party that were there. Uh, yeah, that's all I can remember. It was got to be like four four years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, now that Booker. Gonna left. miss. Gonna miss walking to that London club. My God, oh, yeah. I took my girlfriend to London after I took her to Niagara Falls and Niagara Falls is pretty destitute. And I was like, look, we're going to London. It's just, we're just going to have like a night in a hotel. Maybe we'll go to the shitty casino for a second, but it's like, it's not an enjoyable town. She's like, how bad can it be? And we got there. We, we did that drive from the hotel to the club, which is through some Dundas, some shitty. Yeah. And it was, so starkly uh, demoralizing for her to go through that part of town. She said, there's a specific word in the Czech language she had to describe to me that meant like shitty, fucked up and sad at the same time. Like <laughs> that, that only exists in Czech that described that strip from oh. the hotel to the club. Like I'm going to miss the one time I saw a lady and this isn't funny, but it's like this describes London. I saw a lady uh, with a knife, like a fucking Rambo knife, cutting the scabs off her face uh, on the way to the club. That is, that is something. Yeah, London hasn't improved very much. There's like, uh, yeah, it hasn't really improved very much. Yeah, that's where I got my start. But it's a uh, yeah, yeah, it's a very transient place for a comedian. Like you, you can start there, but then there's no pros. There's no real people that are doing it, like for uh, yeah. And without the club, there's not even like a 
an ocean floor for your little coral polyp to yeah, get its yeah. little roots into. And Yucks in London never was that club. It never really was. Like, it wasn't a hangout. It was, uh... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. It is too bad. I hope there's a, there, there's stuff popping up everywhere though, and hopefully things will get better. But I I still think I'm gonna go other countries. That'll be easier. Okay. <laughs> Man, at least we had that one magical night there. You, me, Malekis, and someone named Kyle. Someone named Kyle, I think. I think it was Kyle, but I don't know. To be honest, he didn't leave an impression, Hunter. That's the reason why. You're like, I'm <laughs> sure he doesn't remember me either. But I'll uh, bet I could look it up, which would be fucked. I don't know if it's a Kyle or not. He just seemed like a Kyle. It was just very, what I would call a very Toronto comic. It was just a very Toronto okay. comic. It was generic to me. Like a, a couple TTC jokes, maybe. A, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't remember the guy. What if he's a really good guy and I'm just trashing him and I don't remember? Could be. Yeah, I know. I don't remember. But it. I remember that you should have headlined that. That's what I said. That's what I was thinking. Because I was like, why are they? Oh, you're awful what? kind. What? You're awful kind. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Well, I don't know. You know how most headliners and features can switch spots, and then there's yeah, yeah, like they they're not gonna know. Um, like you'll, we'll take whatever we can get, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I get these inspiring quote emails that I never signed up for. Oh yeah, cool. Got one. Yeah, you can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. Isn't that nice? Ah. You want to leave it on that to, with our uh, for the Dutch Hall listeners? Yeah, I oh, also want to find one. out who this piece of shit who headlined the London Club was. Oh. Here we go, London. Oh no, April twenty twenty one. Oh no, I can't say that name. I love this guy. Oh no. Did I really... <laughs> How do you know That's... that? What year was it? What year does it was it that you're looking at? It was twenty nineteen. That's that recently. No, tw- yeah, 2019. I text me the guy's name afterwards and find out who I shit on. Okay. Oh, it's 2018. 2018. You know who it is for real? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and is, is he a, uh, I'm sorry. Text me though after so I find out who I shit on because I have to. I will. It's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I remember it was a fun night. I like doing, it was two shows and stuff. And I remember, that's all I remember. And I think we, yeah, hit, yeah. I think we hit it off. I, I think we hit it off as, as I. Oh yeah, recall. man. Yeah, like it was a nice time. You know, as for peaches. Yeah. Well, Hunter, I really do appreciate you doing this with me. Uh, and I meant everything I said. The album Hunter Collins Goes to Hell is available wherever you can get music. I think like it's on Apple yeah. Music, Spotify, all the rest of them. Yeah, man. Go down to your local HMV, Sam the Record Man. Yeah, or go to uh, Hunter Comedy dot com and uh, you can check out all his old albums too yeah um hunter again thank you so much take, take thank care. you Pete. thanks for having me thanks for giving me the time buddy oh man uh as i said it, once in a while uh, these things come out and i'm just so proud of the the work that you did because uh, it really makes Saul look better to have uh, albums like this out there and uh, keep, uh thanks, keep, keep up the good work and uh all the best to you Likewise, man. Hey, good luck getting out of Norfolk. Is it Norfolk or Suffolk? Uh, Norfolk. Norfolk, yeah. Okay. Good luck. We'll see you in Europe soon enough. All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. Peace, dude. Peace out. Bye. Well, that was our interview with Hunter Collins. I hope you liked it. If you'd like to uh, give us a piece of feedback... 
at live from the Dutch Hall gmail.com, the Dutch Hall gmail.com, Dutch Hall on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find us everywhere. Just look for us, YouTube, all that stuff. And uh, until next week, we will see you, Auntie. See you next Thursday.